0: Welcome to day three of the story that changes everything. The reading for today is Genesis chapters seven through nine. Here's some thoughts to guide your reading for today. The flood in the Noah story begins in chapter seven. Now there are several numbers that often take on symbolic meaning in the Bible. Seven, as in seven days of the week is almost always associated with completion. So it makes sense that six will be a number representing incompletion. 12, as in the 12 tribes of Israel Will often symbolize God's people. But the number 40 shows up a lot. It likely means at least two things. 40 represents a period that feels like quite a long time while you're going through it. However, it does eventually conclude. But because the period of 40 seems so long when you're going through it, it does bring about change or transformation by the end of it. So, like Israel's 40 years in the wilderness shapes them later in the story. The 40 days of rain in the Noah story symbolizes that everything is going to change. I think it's important to notice in chapter 7, verse 11, that when the flood begins, it begins from below and not from above. The flood begins when the springs of the deep erupt. The word used for deep here, tehom in Hebrew, is the same word used in Genesis 1 at the very beginning when darkness covered the face of the tehom, the deep. And after the deep springs forth, then the windows of the sky are opened to describe the barriers or gates that hold back irrigation water. So those barriers are removed and the water above the dome of the sky comes pouring out. I find it significant that the order of creation in Genesis 1 is being reversed here. What God separated on day 3, the seas from the dry land, that water breaks back upon the land. And what God separated on day 2, the waters above the dome from the waters below the dome, that is all opened up and comes crashing in on one another. What I think we see is that human sin and violence in the story is causing a reversal or an undoing of God's created order. Later in verse 17 um, and following, the phrase upon the earth will be repeated seven times, complete times, that it's all being and the verb is wiped away. And that verb invites us to imagine God is allowing a kind of do-over and erasing of the blackboard of creation so that a new beginning, a new creation, can take place. One last thought on chapter 7. I find it fascinating that God commanded Noah to build an ark and not a boat or a ship. The inference in that is that there's no rudder or steering mechanism on an ark. The direction of the ark rests solely on God's guidance. Chapter 8 opens with the affirmation of God's grace and the beginning of a new creation but God remembered Noah. Just as the first creation was formed by the Ruach, or the breath of God, this recreation in chapter 8 begins with the breath of God blowing the waters of chaos back where they belong. The dove that returns to Noah in verse 11 with an olive branch has become the continued symbol for peoples and nations of the possibility of peace. Genesis chapter 9 opens with the renewal of the co-creative mandates that were given to Adam and Eve upon. Noah and his family. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and have dominion. Yesterday, I invited you to pay attention to the number of times violence was mentioned in the text. Given the connection of sin and violence in the Noah story, it shouldn't surprise us that God gives instructions for how to deal with those who murder and do violence to others in verses 5 and 6. Well known in chapter 9 is the sign of God's covenant with Noah, the rainbow. What's interesting to me in the text is that the word that is used for rainbow is actually the word bow, as in the bow used to shoot arrows for hunting or for war. It's as though God is hanging up his weapon. I love what commentator Joe Colson writes about it in the New Beacon Bible Commentary. The bow as the sign of the covenant, he writes, and God's action in hanging the bow in the cloud reveal a significant shift in God's attitude and relation to the sinful world. From the monumental judgment God just had executed, hanging one's bow signals the cessation of hunting or of war. It is an act of peace. Coming as it did immediately upon the close of the flood event, this covenant promise and its accompanying sign of the bow is a vivid reminder and reassurance writ large in the sky that God is neither hunting the earth's inhabitants nor at war with us. Coming, as it often does at the end of a storm, the rainbow in the cloud functions as an immediate assurance to every believing observer that in this storm too, God has kept God's covenant and God's promise. I love that. Great quote. One quick thought about the strange ending of chapter 9 with a drunk and naked Noah and the curse upon Ham and his son Canaan. The story illustrates how in Hebrew culture, it's not shameful to be naked, but it is shameful to see naked. However, let me offer a possibly controversial reading of this text, and you can take it or leave it. But in every culture, there are stories that are told, often from generation to generation, to narrate and give excuse for mistreating a particular group of people. In our own day, there are often derogatory labels or names given to persons of certain ethnicities or races that are meant to put them down. This story may exist to both explain and excuse the Israelites' hatred, mistrust, and misuse of the Canaanites. Whether that is the case or not, it is certainly true that many white, European, and North American Christians use this very narrative in Genesis to misuse and even enslave Africans and other people of color. Part of reading the Old Testament Christologically through the lens of Jesus is to be reminded that Christ died for whomever we consider to be our Canaanites. And I believe later Jesus invites us then to tear down whatever walls and whatever histories we have built that divide us. So why do we keep telling the Noah story? I think it is first and foremost a story that reminds us that even when the world has become sinful and chaotic, the God who recreated out of one righteous man and his family can keep redeeming the world even through people like us. So enjoy today's reading. Read carefully. Read looking for things you've never seen before. Listen to what the Spirit may say to you through the text today. Journal some of your reflections, your questions, your prayers, and then go out and live a life reflective of God's love. Tomorrow's reading is Genesis 11 through 13 and Psalm 2. I'll see you tomorrow.